the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. The so-called crypto tourists are scurrying home, sunburnt and hungover as the crypto winter sets in. You can tell we're in a bear market by looking at the obvious. It's not just that Bitcoin's price is down 70% from its high above $67,000, which it reached in November last year, or that many altcoins are down 80 or even 90% over the same period. Google searches for Bitcoin, always a solid indicator of investor interest, are at a seven-month low. Crypto exchange volumes have slowed to a trickle, and there are less news articles about cryptos generally. Maybe this is the time to start paying attention to cryptos. We saw precisely the same signs of fatigue during the previous crypto winter in 2018 and 2019. While the crypto tourists went off looking for more alluring investments, the veterans were steadily accumulating Bitcoin, and they've been handsomely rewarded for their staying power. Well, joining us to look at recent trends in the crypto space is Gianluca Sacco. Chief Operating Officer at Crypto Exchange, Valor. Welcome, Gianluca. It's good to have you back on again. Give us your sense of where we are in the crypto cycle. We've seen these long, drawn-out bear markets before, and I guess many Bitcoin hodlers will want to know, when will it end? Hi, Kieran. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on again. Um, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, it definitely doesn't feel like we're in a bull market, does it? <laughs> um, I'd say it's pretty clear to see that the general trend in, in 2022 has been kind of movement sideways and, and, and downwards, right? In, in many, many assets in the, in the crypto space. Um, I would hazard a guess that there's a number of factors, right? Contributing to, to the price action. It's always difficult to pin down any individual factors to being the single contributor to why the price of any asset moves, I guess. But there's a couple of really headline items that have um, maybe been really large contributing factors to the way that crypto assets and I think other other asset classes too have moved this year. Um, some of the obvious things uh, include, you know, in, in the crypto space specifically, there's been some level of contagion from poor lending practices of some businesses in the space. Um, some have been kind of lending out capital to people who are taking positions and trading quite aggressively with leverage. Um, and the, 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 the natural end point of something like that has been significant liquidations and some, you know, large traders in the crypto space being basically wiped out. Um, and that, that, that would have had a big impact on crypto prices specifically. Um, something that's interesting is that I think. You know, if, if you look at the crypto markets, typically in the past, um, there's been a kind of cyclical trend, right? Uh, that's that, that, that's been something that's true for a very long time. But I think as long as, as crypto has been around, there's been these kind of cycles of investor interest and price movement up and then kind of periods where there's a, a, maybe a little less interest in the space and, and, and a drop in price that, that, that accompanies that. Um, and then finally, there's an interesting macro environment going on right now. So we know about, you know, war in, 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 in Ukraine. Um, we know about the US having a little bit of trouble with high inflation um, and, 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 and some monetary policy where they're tightening, um, leading to high interest rates and basically just a general lack of enthusiasm for, 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 for further investment into many asset classes. Crypto is no exception. 
Um, and I think these are kind of big factors that have impacted the price of Bitcoin and many other crypto assets too. I mean, the stats are showing that crypto trading volumes are seriously down at the moment. Would you say the weak holders have been shaken out of the market? And are you at Valor? Are you seeing any signs that the veterans are starting to accumulate at these rather low levels? So it's it's a difficult thing to actually uh, maybe, you know, say with confidence. <laughs> or it's very difficult rather to stereotype a particular profile of customer, right? Um, but, you know, with that being said, there's, there's kind of two ways to look at the, the, the place that we're in currently or the, 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 the stage of the market cycle that we're in, right? Um, you can kind of look at technical analysis. So, you know, if you're, if you're the type of person that, is, that, that enjoys looking at charting um, and trying to gain some kind of understanding of why prices are moving based on some interesting analysis, that's, that, that, that's one probably highly used technique in the crypto space. Um, and then there's like these, these thesis driven investors, right? There's the type of person who is invested in the crypto space because they actually believe in some, um, some idea of where the world is going and some reason that it might make sense to hold crypto assets as part of a portfolio um, to kind of, you know, uh, either balance the risk that you're taking in the markets or your, your own interests in what assets you believe have value, right? Based on, based on, based on where we are in the world. So maybe I can speak to both of these. I think it's interesting uh, and and kind of skirts a little bit of your question, Kieran, about, about where the weak holders have been shaken out. Um, but maybe we can kind of touch on that to some extent. Um, I think let's start with, you know, some some look at what's happening on, on charts. Um, I will say I'm no expert in anything to do with technical analysis. That's not my burden, but I'm much more of a thematic investor myself. Um, but if I but if I had to um, you know, think about uh, what what kind of charts are telling us about where we are in the stage of of the crypto bear market. Um, there's some interesting kind of charts that people look at, right? Um, one one that's 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 that maybe we can even link to in the show notes of of this chat, which is which is quite cool. There's some work that a guy called the Rational Root actually does, where he um, he he's got a number of of charts that he looks at, and maybe one of the more interesting ones is to have a look at something called realized price. Um, the realized price is a chart that presents the kind of cost basis of what everyone who invests in crypto, in, in Bitcoin specifically, um, has actually paid. So it's kind of this moving average uh, cost of 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 an investment in in a Bitcoin by the entire market. Um, obviously, that's been steadily increasing over the kind of the long term. But if you look fairly recently and you compare kind of what people's cost basis is compared to the current market price, they're very similar at this point in time. And that's a that's that's kind of a, a, a um, something that's that that's happened very recently. Uh, historically, the actual price of BTC has been a bit higher than what people have have paid to invest. Um, or the cost at which they they purchase their crypto. Now it's kind of you know the market price is just below. And that in the past has kind of indicated a, a bottoming out of the price of Bitcoin. So all, all models are wrong, I think. Some are useful and, and, and this might be, um, give some kind of indication to you know, where, where we stand. I think we've, we've definitely seen a significant drop in crypto asset prices this year, as we said. Um, but, but given that what realized price tells us is where um, where the actual price of BTC drops below the realized price, that means that on average, people are kind of underwater now, right? That people are below 
their cost basis. That historically has indicated that um, at that point, you kind of start to see a reversal and you start to see the price to move up above um, people's average cost basis over time. Um, so that's that's something that's interesting to look at. Again, that's the rational route. He's got a number of, of charts that are interesting to go and have a look at. Um, and that's very much like a short-term biased kind of view of the market, right? Like just trying to make sense of short-term price movements by kind of um, using some heuristics, thinking about maybe an indicator like this is useful to understanding where the market bottoms are. I don't think these things are perfect, as I said. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll pause there. I would love to talk a little bit about uh, some some of the maybe long-term holders' views on the, on the market and and where the people who, as you say, are maybe veterans and maybe uh, could be accumulating kind of view where we are in the market. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's, it's astonishing to think that, you know, what is the price today? It's about 350,000 Rand. Well, if you go back to December, November time of 2017, when the Bitcoin price for the first time broke um, 200,000, you know, we thought this this is crazy. Yeah. Um, and here we are, you know, we're almost at, at, um, at double what it was back then. I was just looking at this this week. Several other metrics would also indicate that we are at a bit of a, bit of a pivot point here. One of them being the the price of what it costs to mine Bitcoin, which is depending on you know how much you paid for your, your equipment. It's it's anything between about seventeen thousand and twenty four thousand dollars. But the uh, as in any mining operation, if the price drops below that, you're going to find miners who will just fall off the wagon and they'll stop mining and that is going to curtail supply. So price tends to come back to uh, the very least, whatever your mining cost is. So you talked about realized price as well. And the, the other interesting metric is the 200 week moving average, which is kind of where Bitcoin is bouncing around now. And it, it seldom has, well, it's struggled to stay below the, the 200 week moving average. So, I mean, I think it would be, um, and I'm not saying that Bitcoin can't go lower, but we've also seen the speed with which it can recover and break new all-time highs yeah. when the bull market does come. Uh, are, are we seeing a core of stronger, longer-term holders of, of Bitcoin emerge, in your opinion? It's interesting, right? Um, the crypto space is kind of typified historically by <laughs> a set of people who kind of get bought into the principles of why crypto is, has any value at all, Right. Um, I, I mentioned early on that, you know, somewhere like the US currently is struggling a little bit and other parts of the world too are struggling with the fact that inflation is kind of at all time, uh, very long-term highs, right? Seeing inflation of north of seven, eight percent in some of these, um, some of these developed markets is not something that's usual, not something that people are used to experiencing. And I think there's a lot of discomfort and unease when, 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 uh, in, in, in those parts of the world. Um, like if I, if I, if I look at something like Bitcoin and, you know, these, the, the idea that stronger long-term holders might be emerging, emerging, um, people, people tend to be invested in the crypto space because they really believe in it, right? It's, it's very different to other markets. Like you can imagine that people who are investing in stocks or equities, their view is literally, let me buy the asset that I believe will uh, generate, you know, sufficient profits in the future that I can save for retirement, right? That's kind of, it's, it's, it's not a very emotional investment. It's much more of a, um, maybe, uh, you know, just 
uh, an emotional kind of uh, thing that that, that, that that people people end up doing. When it comes to the crypto space, you'll find that there are people who are long-term believers and you know believe in 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 the fact that something like Bitcoin is hard money, money that you know where where the actual supply curve is fixed. There's no there's no ability for that to flex or change in response to market forces. Um, and especially in a market like we're actually seeing play out in the world where inflation is high, there's unprecedented, in, in historically there was unprecedented um, money printing, which in my view contributed to the fact that inflation is so high, although people will say that that's not the reason, um, including Jay Powell. Um, but, but, you know, there's, there's definitely a set of people and a market uh, environment that supports the idea that investment into hard assets, assets like Bitcoin, that do not change their supply schedule in response to market forces is an, is an interesting investment to make. I think that group of people does steadily grow over time. Um, and it's an interesting profile of person because it's a person who's convicted, a person who is intending to hold this for a, for a very long time. It's also, it also kind of speaks to some of the thematic investments that I, I spoke about earlier, like people who are actually invested in this uh, space for the long term, they're doing so because they believe in the thesis that Bitcoin is something that will ultimately protect you against inflation. Um, it, it acts as a risk asset, just like many other asset classes at the moment, given that you, you've, you've seen this year that the prices sharply declined. Um, but that's, you know, that's, there's, there, there's many forces that impact um, people's ability and, and, and interest in, in making investments at any time. Um, and so it kind of, you know, it, it, it leads me on to another interesting point about the Bitcoin market specifically, um, which is the cyclical nature of 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 this 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 uh, um, the, the 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 pricing of Bitcoin, right? So Bitcoin uh, works on a schedule of halving the amount that is issued roughly every four years. It's not exactly four years, but it's 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 close to that. And if you have a look at each period at which each each point in, on on the graph at which the halving actually happens. So end of the first four years, um, Bitcoin was issuing 50 BTC per per block. It then halved to 25 Bitcoin per block, and it it, it did that three more times up to up to the current uh, current date. Um, and you observe that after the, the the halving actually happens, people seem to have renewed conviction in the in the idea that hey, this asset is actually you know, trending towards supply, supply being fixed, um, and so you'll you'll see that 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 kind of as the halving happens, interest tends to increase again, and the prices tend to of BTC tends tends to move up. Um, we're kind of halfway through uh, the latest um, Bitcoin issuance cycle, and um, it's interesting to kind of have a look at that uh, historically and see that typically like once you've passed the halfway mark of, um, of, of a particular period of, of issuance of BTC, that you kind of hit the bear market lows and you'll start to observe that the asset starts to move up a little bit again. Again, I am stereotyping and generalizing here. Um, and none of this is, is, is necessarily investment advice, but um, you know, that's that that that's just interesting factors to consider when you think about whether you know how, how this market is operating. I do think that in terms of like you know the 
the, 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 the people who are convicted, that group is growing. Um, another, just very quickly, interesting, um, in, in, interesting element here is the extent to which the profile of people who invest in crypto is broadening, right? Historically, it's been very much a market driven by individuals, retail customers, people like you and me, right? Who may have read about Bitcoin, might be a little bit more um, interested in, 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 in investing in, in an asset of this, of this type and would go ahead and do so. This is definitely becoming a market that's got professional traders in it. Uh, in fact, that's, that's been the case for some time in some profile of professional investors, people like you know, big market making firms. They've actually been invested in crypto for some time um, and make markets on many exchanges, including, including Vada. Um, but the extent to which we're observing more professional business, uh, more businesses and professional traders enter the crypto space is, is, is pretty significant. Um, and this is the type of investor that is kind of either taking a particular view on a market and would like to either be long or short crypto in general, um, or is doing something like market making, like providing liquidity in these assets so that people can, can trade. Um, and that's a growing part of the market too. Probably quite different from the profile of person I've spoken about who is like has conviction in crypto as an asset class, but also participating, right? Also contributing to trading volume. Um, and so that's, that, that, that's maybe another, another interesting part of the market that's growing that people don't really have too much insight into unless you kind of, you know, you're, you're full time in the space. I want to come back to that in a minute. I mean, it is an observation. I think that, um, we're seeing, particularly with Valor, I, I kind of get the sense that you're moving into the banking space and transactional banking in particular. Um, so you're not just an exchange for buying cryptos anymore, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. But are there any other trends? crypto trends that have caught your eye in the last few months? I mean, like regulations, we've been talking about that for years. Uh, I mean, it is coming down the pipe, but um, Web3, NFTs, any of these sort of catching your eye? I mean, NFT prices, of course, have been completely smashed in this, uh, this bear market. Um, and, and people think, you know, this this is a, you know, a bit of a joke. Has it got any sustainability? What's your view on that? Mm, I remember you and I speaking last time about um, about NFTs and kind of my view hasn't changed too much. I still think that uh, they are experimental. I think that for sure we've seen our first major kind of hype cycle in the world of NFTs. Um, but with that being said, I think that w- that it's an interesting it's it's an interesting development in the crypto space, right? Um, I'm the type of person who believes in the fact that, well, the fact, I call it the fact, my view, <laughs> that, that the world is as we, you know, as we, as, as we, um, as, as we proceed uh, into a world where technology just becomes a bigger and bigger part of our lives, that our online life becomes almost as important as our offline, right? To some extent, that's sad to say for, for, for some of the implications of that, but I think it is a reality. I think we spend a significant amount of time online, more so than we did five years ago. I think it's going to be more in five years' time. In the future, and so where does where do NFTs fit into that particular view of the world, which is my view? I think that you know a, a, your profile online, the person that you are in a digital realm, can be anything, right? However, however you wish to present your profile picture, for example, on social media, on you know it, it games that you play, etc., that can be represented as an NFT, right? And that can have a value as an NFT, which may 
you know, be something that that the people are interested in investing into. Um, it's a tale as old as time that people like to flex, <laughs> right? They like to present some some measure of 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 wealth in some form. Maybe in the past that was a nice car or a nice watch. I think for some of the newer generations that are coming, uh, that are getting a bit older and coming into coming into their own capital, um, for them. It, it's not unreasonable to me to expect that people would spend money on an NFT and put that as a profile picture. It is prov- provable that it belongs to you. Um, and it's a bit of a flex because you can show that, hey, like I bought this NFT for whatever, right? Whatever value. That might not be the reason that I invest in NFTs, but I can imagine people being interested in doing that. And that's just one use case, right? At its core, what an NFT is, is a unique item in a, in a digital world. It can be a picture. It could be anything else. Um, and we've debated at length within Valor um, the extent to which assets that are unique in the real world might be represented as NFTs in a digital world. And I think that's an interesting development that we don't yet understand the implications of. So for me, TBD, whether NFTs end up having significant value in the future, I do think that we've been through a big hype cycle and there's potentially more pain in store for the price of these of these. Um, Profile pictures that have, you know, so significantly increased in price, but I don't think it's a lost cause and something that's going to be worth zero, right? I think people said the same thing about crypto five, six, seven years ago, and have been continually surprised every few years when this thing comes back with 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 reinforced figure. Um, that's so that's 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 interesting in the NFT space. Maybe I think the most interesting thing going on in the crypto space right now is probably to do with Ethereum. There's the merge coming up for Ethereum, probably in the next seven days, actually, um, where the Ethereum blockchain, which historically has been very similar to the Bitcoin blockchain, um, is transitioning from a proof of work blockchain to a proof of stake blockchain. So it's a different um, a different mechanism for securing uh, the, the, the Ethereum blockchain. Now that's, I think everyone's got their eyes on this, who's, who's, who's kind of uh, very, very active in the crypto space um, and is watching very closely the proceedings of um, this, this, this transition from proof of work to proof of stake for ETH. I think that's probably the biggest thing that people have, have their eyes set on at the moment. Yeah, can speak can speak more to that if you if you'd like. Uh, yeah, I, I mean there, there are different views about the merge and what impact this is going to have um, on on Ethereum. And I think people who are listening and maybe looking at Ethereum as as kind of an investment. Um, and the the fact that it's moving, you know, from a proof of work to a proof of stake, basically. We've co- we've covered this before in a previous podcast, but it's going to be more energy efficient. And the, the people who, you know, who start to then assert some muscle on the network are those who've got the most stake. They're the most invested yeah. in in the network itself. Um, what what is the importance of the merge? Well, it's it's there to 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 scale up so they can handle more volumes at greater speed and greater security. That that's essentially what it is. It's really. It's positioning itself to be the, the the financial network of the future. Maybe you have a better way of describing it, but that's the way I see it. Yeah. Um, and I would agree with you that Ethereum is is something that um, you know people have been writing it off, and there's all these Ethereum killers that are out there, and and of course that's still a possibility. But but Ethereum has invested 
massive amounts of energy in trying to get this network operational and successful. I don't think it's going to go away. I, I, I see a high chance of it actually um, possibly even at some point uh, surpassing Bitcoin uh, in terms of market cap. What do you think? It's very interesting. Um, I think it's got a very different use case to Bitcoin. So um, the way Ethereum has positioned itself as, is as a network on which a number of use cases can be built, right? If, you, if, 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 if we speak about where is the banking of the future going, where are you going to you know, deposit funds to earn, to earn yields? Where will you um, invest in money market instruments? Where will you borrow money? Uh, to be able to do whatever you want <laughs> with, with those borrowed funds against collateral that you hold. Um, apart from the traditional financial world, the place where that's happening in crypto is predominantly on Ethereum, right? Uh, it's on the Ethereum network that people are building interesting, for want of a better word, banking use cases through DeFi. Um, it's commonly, you know, commonly referred to uh, kind of topic in, in, in the crypto space. So, um, it's 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 definitely uh, it's definitely an interesting part of the crypto space to be watching very closely. As you say, uh, there's there's this move to proof of stake, which would prioritize those that well it would incentivize those that hold Ethereum in 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 large quantity to ensure that the network is effectively secured. There are also some misconceptions. About what the Ethereum merge will achieve, which I'd love to I'd love to address very very quickly. Um, two important things. The first is that once the merge is complete successfully, and Ethereum has moved to proof of stake, it doesn't actually mean that transactions will be cheaper, which is an interesting thing that people have I think to some extent almost assumed would be the case. Transactions won't be cheaper as we move to proof of stake on Ethereum. Is that 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 won't change immediately? Um, similarly, the speed at which transactions are achieved and the, the amount of transactions that can be put through the Ethereum blockchain is also not going to change yet. Um, proof of stake might enable uh, scaling solutions of the future that will you know, lead to improved transaction throughput at lower cost, um, but that's not actually a, a, a given at the moment. And that's, I think, something that people have, have a little bit of a misconception about, which is important to, to understand well. Um, so, so that's that. Th those are those are two important elements, I think. Um, and maybe maybe a third is that you know, with those things in mind, this merge event is actually more of a kind of risk event than it is um, a, a, a bullish catalyst for for Ethereum. At least it, it, in my view, for the for the very short immediate term, people are just crossing their fingers and hoping that you know, not, well, not hoping, but working hard to. Um, ensure that this merge happens without 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 a problem, um, and it's 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 an event in that that kind of you know that people are are, are biting their nails and and, and just watching closely um, to, to 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 complete. Um, one more thing on on the Ethereum merge and, and this movement to proof of stake, we alluded to the fact that people would be incentivized right to hold Ethereum and to secure the network. Um, maybe the one like kind of bullish view of this movement to proof of stake is that herein lies an opportunity to earn interest on Ethereum that you hold uh, natively through the through the network, right? What's happening is that instead of miners who need to put money into 
machinery getting incentivized uh, through um, through rewards, through block rewards. Instead, it's the people who hold Ethereum and 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 and, and stake it who will end up earning rewards for securing the network, and that might be significant. And that might very well bring in a whole new set of profile of investor um, who perhaps is a bit more professional, perhaps is looking for a, a, a way to access a good kind of interest rate and yield in the crypto space and would put money into ETH to do that potentially. Um, so there is there is also benefit to, to the movement to proof of stake in that sense that some investors will actually find this more attractive as an investment, as, as, as you mentioned earlier, Karen. One of the things I've noticed with Valor is that you've been adding quite a few stable coins to your crypto offering. Stable coins like USDC and USDT, in other words, these are digital equivalents of the dollar. Uh, they're gaining a lot of traction and not just from crypto enthusiasts, but from people looking to make ordinary day-to-day -day transactions. Now, you recently launched Valor Pay to send cryptocurrency and cash to any mobile number or to an email address or a Valor Pay ID. It doesn't cost anything. Is Valor moving steadily into the payments space or what one might call traditional banking? Hmm. Um, so I think we're interested in, in, in all of the ways that people use money <laughs> um, and thinking, thinking quite a lot about how we might touch on many elements of um, how people uh, invest and transact. Um, Valor today is predominantly a place where you can swap assets, right? Where you can you can deposit your fiat currency, for example, South African rands as one of, of the fiat currencies we support, um, and transact any of like of 65 plus different assets that we've got on the platform. Um, all of those crypto assets at this point in time. So that's that kind of touches on the ability to to um, to trade, right? To to transact between different assets. We're also very interested in payments um, and and making the payments a little bit uh, more fluid for consumers in the markets in which we operate. So, um, as you say, we've launched ValorPay Crypto um, and 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 have had ValorPay uh, with for South African rands for for roughly a, a year. Um, and the intention there is definitely to allow customers who hold any of the assets that we offer on our platform and to be able to transact using them should they wish. Um, so you can send funds. To another value user for free, with the, with immediacy, it, it, it's an immediate transaction, um, pretty pretty easily now through their email address, their cell phone number, or a, or a particular QR code, which we call a valid pay ID. Um, stable coins specifically are interesting for valid pay because here lies an, an, an option for customers to be able to make payments in, you know, in 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 a in a in a cryptocurrency that has some measure of stable value. Um, so if you're holding USDC, you can send that USDC to another, to another person and basically you know, be transacting uh, with them using, using an, a dollar equivalent value. Um, I, stable coins are very close to my heart. <laughs> I think that there's, there's a lot to be said for um, the value that, 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 that you get from being able to, uh, to, to store uh, value in, in, in a stable coin and be able to transact using it. Um, you, I'm, I'm always kind of blown away and love showing people how seamless it can be, not just to use Valor Pay, but just generally to send a dollar stable coin from one wallet to another. It, it, it can take fractions of a, of less than a minute 
it's actually com complete with real finality, actually complete a transaction uh, at very low cost, depending on the on the blockchain that that, that is being used to to make that transaction. Um, and I think that's something that 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 people underappreciate um, in the crypto space is that payments are actually something that can be 10x better user user experience than a traditional banking system. Imagine imagine trying to pay someone uh, with you know. Pay, pay someone in, in, in US dollars in the traditional banking system. It can take five days for that transaction to complete. And even then, that transaction could reverse, right? Um, with crypto, it's just, it's, it's just miles away in, in, in speed and confidence that a transaction is actually complete. Um, it, takes, it takes minutes. Um, and you can have 100% confidence that a transaction is actually completed. And, 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 and there's no risk of that transaction actually reversing, which has its use cases. It's not the, the only way that people make payments. And in some cases, it is actually helpful to be able to reverse transactions. Um, but you know, pick, your, pick your, um, your preferred method of making payment for your particular use case. And I think crypto definitely has a large one. I mean, it's just some interesting markets out there that is just waiting to be attacked. I'm talking about you know, banking markets. For example, I, I was looking... Now, this was a couple of years ago, but I was looking at what bounced debit orders make for the banks. And the figure was $8 billion at that time. Yeah. A bounced debit order, you, then you don't have enough funds in your account. Uh, so the bank is going to charge you a penalty. It varies from bank to bank. Some as high as 150 rand, yeah. uh, some quite low, you know, 25, 30 rand or thereabouts. But they all charge something. They all charge a penalty for that. Now, of course, none of that happens in crypto because yeah. if there are no funds in your wallet, the transaction is not going to go through. So um, you, you just see so many ways in which traditional banking is just begging to be disrupted and attacked and, and ripped open, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great example, right? Like having to, having to pay a penalty for a poor service is, is, is not really what you want. Um, and... If there, I mean, if 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 there are measures that you can put in place using technology to either, you know, ensure that that transaction just never happens, and so you don't need to charge anyone for probably a, a mistake, right? Or um, would be able to like use software to be able to, if you need to top up the balance, you can do so ahead of time. This is this is all, you know, just improvements in banking. It's just the case of. Uh, Asking the question, why do we see cases like like you've mentioned, where um, an industry can make billions of dollars a year in fees for transactions that just haven't happened, and think about okay, how could that be improved with technology? There's definitely ways to do so, and what would that add to the global economy? Right, it would take away a cost that is probably something that is really punitive to the people who really don't need to be incurring that kind of cost in order to survive day day to day. Um, and just making banking a lot more, a lot better for, for for many people around the world. So I think that's look. There's 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 just a huge number of um, of opportunities in the traditional banking and investment space to make technological improvements. And from my perspective, I think it's the crypto players who are kind of making real significant strides into thinking about how to approach banking in maybe a little bit of of, of a better more technologically advanced fashion, right? Um, one kind of element that's that's becoming interesting, um, and that kind of touches on you know where where this at least for me where 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 I think the space is moving moving towards, 
um, is that I do think that the lines between traditional banking and crypto are kind of going to blur, right? I think there will be players who, who exclusively operate in each sect, sector, uh, in pure crypto and in pure banking or financial services more broadly. But I think that there's a lot of crossover happening um, and, and, and there's a lot of very interesting um, opportunities that are being tackled by kind of the leading players in the crypto space. Um, if I just think about us, right? Uh, what, 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 what does Vala actually do at its core? We match orders for people to trade, right? Now we do that for crypto so that I can swap my RAND for Kieran's Bitcoin, right? Um, but that doesn't mean it only needs to be Bitcoin or crypto in the future. There's many assets that are traded, many for m much larger volume than the crypto space actually trades right now. And I think that's like a clear and obvious opportunity for crypto players is to expand offerings into other asset classes using kind of technology that is fit for the 21st century, right? That allows people to be able to transact a lot more easily in a lot more assets um, for a lot, a lot lower cost. I think for each of those things, there's 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 just significant inefficiency in the traditional banking system. It's really hard to invest in some assets. It's really expensive to invest in the assets that you can actually uh, have access to, and a lot of those systems are really old, um, and 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 end up not performing to the level that you might hope. Um, and so I think that's that 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 that's really an interesting space for the future, and something I'm really excited about. Right, that if we can improve on the efficiency of financial services, we're going to get rid of $3 billion worth of fees, whatever that, you know, the number that you mentioned for, um, for, for failed debit orders costs people every year. I mean, all of this seems to underscore how cryptos are being mainstreamed and the new use cases are just popping up almost daily. I mean, if you look, uh, and this final question, by the way, Jen, look, and thanks very much for your time on that and coming on. Just looking five years into the future, where do you see Valor fitting into this financial landscape? You mentioned the blurring of lines between you know, cryptos and the traditional banking, and we're already starting to see some of that. But just project forward a few years. Tell us where you think this is going. Yeah. Um, if I just speak about Valor specifically, um, my, my belief and, and, and what we're working hard towards Right, is for Valor to be the preferred place for people to be able to store value, swap assets, or, 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 or you know trade value, and um, and and transact value in 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 wallets. Right now, whether that's just crypto, whether that's crypto plus a number of traditional assets, and whether you know how 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 broad that goes is something up to us to I think <laughs> to work, work towards. Um, but is absolutely the direction in which the crypto space is going. Is going, I think. Um, as you say, I think the lines are going to become more blurred, and I think consumers will ultimately um, have access to a broader range of, uh, of of assets that they might want to invest in and might want to transact with um, through 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 players like us. Um, so, like I I I see crypto businesses operating in the space of payments, in the space of trade, in the space of lending and borrowing. Um, and, and, in, and, and kind of, you know, the, the, the details around that are, are, are really starting to become, starting to get, get fleshed out by a number of crypto players, us included. Um, and so I, I, I think that you're going you're gonna to think in, in, in five years' time, why, why did I, why, why was my banking experience so 
so inefficient, right? Um, and and hopefully we're going to contribute to making that a much better experience for all people, um, corporations and 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 individuals included. A very very broad, sorry, answer to your question, but I do think that's that's kind of the the, the general direction in which. This yes, I mean, I mean, I did start to to think about this a little bit earlier. You you did a fundraise in March of this year where you raised fifty million dollars, which is well over seven hundred fifty million rand. Uh, for a crypto exchange, you've had a few fundraisers before, but you're clearly, you know, you're attracting some serious uh, investor interest. And I guess your need for for capital and liquidity is growing. And I, I can just see that this is a space that's quite logical for you to to enter into. Yeah, our our ambitions are high, uh, and so that's that kind of informed the, um, the 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 fact that we wanted to raise, I think, the largest round in Africa. Uh, for a crypto, for a crypto player, um, to date at least. Um, so we were very lucky to have, you know, the, the confidence of a number of investors behind us in the kind of thesis that we have for where the space is going and how we might be able to, to, to help create value for many people around the world. Um, and yeah, I, I, I mean, I think, I think this is still very much the early innings of uh, the crypto space. And maybe Valor's position in, in 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 this in this space, right? And um, I'm raring to go and excited to see where where the space moves in the future, and what contribution we might be able to make. Um, but really, we just hope that you know whatever whatever we try to build um, will actually be of value to people like you and me, and businesses, and all you know everyone who touches on needing to 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 make use of funds, right? Be able to transact effectively. Um, and that's that's kind of part of the mission of Valor is to make sure that we're able to serve people well um, and create creates products that are actually valuable um, for for people to make use. Well, it's a story we're going to be following with great interest, and we're going to leave it there. Gianluca Sacco, who is Chief Operating Officer for Valor, great story, great South African success story, going international as well. And um, thanks very much for coming on, Gianluca, and let's stay in touch. Appreciate it, Kieran. Thank you so much. for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.